Ooh, the pressure's on. I'm, I I can't be expected to perform under these conditions on such short notice. Bop, do bop, ba da ba do bop, do bop, ba do bop, oh. boo da do bop. Where in I... the world is Dominique Foxworth? Oh no, Rockapella is oh, yeah. in, in We're the doing room? it, Rockapella. Gumshoes! We're doing it, <laughs> Rockapella. Um, hello, Bill. This is this is weirdly my fetish. I didn't realize until oh. now. I love a trench coat and a giant hat and an outpost in like Azerbaijan um, <laughs> that I got to go explore. So many countries I had to memorize. <laughs> so many maps I envisioned myself running on. And so little I retained, so sadly. Yes. So, Bill, we just watched the Bengals beat the Ravens, although it's really the Ravens beating themselves in a way. Pretty um, much. Notably, uh, Dominic Foxworth, like Lamar Jackson, incidentally, <laughs> not with his team right now. No. Um, but the thing that happened that was very, very funny for everybody who is not rooting for the Ravens. How yes. do you begin to describe what that was exactly? Um. Well, we had a 12-point swing which is always fun. There's never a not embarrassing or hilarious 12-point swing in the National Football League. And this was, in fact, one of them where Tyler Huntley uh, just had a heat check, basically, decided he was going to say, hey, I'm an NFL quarterback. I'm a great athlete. I have succeeded. I'm going to jump from the one-and-a-half-yard line into the end zone. And unfortunately, like many mere mortals, found out that he had about a half yard or a yard of vertical to work with the ball bounced into Sam Hubbard's hands who returned it 98 yards before it ended up being a game winning touchdown. Just like the plinkoing of the fumble. Perfect way to describe it. (laughs) Just like bouncing from human body part to human body part into the giant hands of Sam Hubbard who just chugs. It's like a true and shout out to Mark Andrews for trying to and almost getting there. Ran, uh, that dot, the dot that is yes. Mark Andrews, I imagine, is a startling one. Ran the fastest of his entire career, according to the NFL's next-gen stats, which it's great when you can look back, you know, a decade after you retire, you have this data on your career, and your kids ask you, wow, I'm going to be the fastest in your career. And it was, I was chasing down a defensive end <laughs> because the quarterback, uh, our, our quarterback decided to price his right his way into the end zone, and it failed miserably. Yes, the price quite wrong as it turned out and again <laughs> this is tyler hunley we're talking about this is i mean this is a game that the ravens lost 24 to 17 which would be a moral victory if not for the thing we just described i feel like like this is so close to being a moral victory mm-hmm. but the way that they lost it feels like it just hurts like it was a very like a giant l <laughs> it was a very like Ravens without Lamar Jackson way to lose like their time management broke down in the final two minutes they ended up with a Hail Mary that almost went in bounced off someone's hands at the very end yes Rocher nearly caught what would have been a game tying touchdown on a Hail Mary they had a holding penalty on an inexplicable draw in the final minute the Ravens have a really unique way to lose games but it's also very distinct and consistent like the ravens will get really close but then lose a game in a totally different way from the way any other team loses games yeah yeah, without lamar 
No, but and and even with Lamar, right? Like this is a, f- I mean, that was a fourth quarter choke job, just based on again that play alone. I hate yes. to keep making this game just about that one play, but it feels hard to. I guess if you're the Bengals, like that one play is both the reason you feel good about yourself and also the reason where you're like, holy, <laughs> did we almost just lose to Tyler Huntley? Like we're supposed to be so much better than this. We almost lost to Tyler Huntley. Our offense, which is supposed to be incredible only scored 17 points. The Ravens right. have had our number on defense pretty much the entire season. I, I think the Ravens are just a bad matchup for the Bengals, even though they've won. Like, it's still a matchup they want to avoid. So I think it was just that relief of, oh, thank God, I don't have to see that person again for another year. <laughs> and oh, thank God, we don't have to talk about the rate. Well, actually, we do. We're going to have to talk about the Ravens as soon as we figure out, Bill, like where Lamar was. It's just a thing. It's a thing that you know is going to be talked about. And again, much like Dominique's absence, Mm -hmm. we just don't have satisfactory answers for anybody. Only mysteries. (laughs) We don't have satisfactory answers. And I feel very confident that if Dominique does show up or if Lamar Jackson shows up, we're not going to have satisfactory answers then either. It's just going to be a mystery. And like 10 years from now, it'll be like, yeah, this is why that happened. And we'll be like, oh, that makes sense. But between now and then, total blur. Yeah, Alabaster, so what are we doing next? Okay, guys, who is most responsible for the Chargers blowing a 27-0 to lead against the Jaguars? I do like how we're taking the third biggest comeback slash choke job of all time and turning it into like a Ryan Johnson murder mystery. Like who is, who? yeah, why is Dominique not here? Who is most responsible for the Chargers choking the... Yeah, the living hell way <laughs> out of this game. I don't even know how to prepositionally phrase all of this, Bill. Um, I kind of want to go Stevie Johnson and blame God here, but I feel like maybe <laughs> you have a more specific answer. I don't. I don't recall Benoit Blanc uh, invoking God as the reason why. Uh, I can't think of the character, character name. Why Ed Norton's character? Just, I, I shouldn't spoil anything. Actually, people have it's not Elon necessarily Musk. seen. Spoiler alert! Yeah. It is Elon Musk. Imagine Elon Musk, but in a movie where some stuff happens that you might enjoy, depending on how you Good feel movie. about Elon Musk. This was a game where, if you are a Chargers fan, nothing happens that you would enjoy. It was a just like the most obvious and upsetting collapse i can imagine where even when the chargers were up 27 to nothing i don't think any chargers fan had that joy of oh we are good i can start celebrating like i'm thinking what's happening in the next round like it had to still be clicking in their head and then it came true that's the most upsetting part about all of it is that you could see it coming and then it actually happened and it was almost more painful as it was happening than you kind of would have figured it was when you were thinking about it from 27 points earlier in the game well first off because i mean with all due respect to al michaels and tony dungy um i fell asleep for multiple reasons during this game (laughs) and none of it felt like it adequately captured the spirit bill of trevor lawrence throwing four interceptions in the first half only to become literally the exact opposite person, throwing four touchdowns in the second. (laughs) Throwing three interceptions to the same player in Asante Samuel Jr., whose existence, I'm not going to lie in general, already upsets me, given that he is 
uh, an NFL player, and yeah. I was covering his dad, not just like remembering his dad from my childhood, already concerns me. The fact that Trevor Lawrence was able to throw three interceptions to the same player in the same game right. and actually threw passes in that guy's direction later in the game, a level of confidence I will never understand or possibly ever possess, Pablo. I, 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 the degree to which this changed, though, because I want to, I want it on the record here. What Bill Barnwell put on the record at halftime because he texted me this, and it's impressive. Uh, you bet on the Chargers to lose the game at halftime. I did. I did, Pablo. I have been through the wars with the Chargers. I once <laughs> picked the Chargers to improve three years in a row. In my column at ESPN.com, thinking, well, they can't be that bad in close games again. They can't get that injured again. Their special teams can't be this bad again. And each year, they scorned me, Pablo. They made me feel stupid. I was embarrassed in front of my family by <laughs> Philip Rivers and the Chargers. And everything they've done to change things. Drafting a franchise superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert. Hiring a genius coach who at once upon a time, was friendly with analytics in Brandon Staley, yep. importing star after star after star in the draft and free agency. Pablo, I wasn't born yesterday. You're not going to fool me. Yes, the players have changed. The coaches have changed. It's still the same jersey. There has to be some incredible event. There has to be some spectacular thought that changes things for the Chargers. And that had not happened before this game and so i had a little inkling in the back of my head maybe i should just put a little bit of money on the jacksonville jaguars to win this game but the, okay so a despite you rejecting my answer of god to start this question <laughs> you have now settled upon essentially something else that is metaphysical and haunting and mm -hmm. yes just in the air when it comes to the chargers but what changed beyond the specifics of of course the chargers chargered um of course san diego followed them to los angeles yes. what was the biggest difference here or was it literally just as obvious as everything being different okay i mean yes the answer is everything was different after everything was not different. But there was a moment in this game where I felt like the door just cracked ever so slightly for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it was a very Chargers play. Patrick Claibon of NFL Network was also seeing the same thing happening. I saw this happen, and it was very upsetting. There was a third and one, Pablo, with about three minutes to go in the first half. The Chargers were inside their own 20-yard line, and they handed the ball off on a jet sweep to a guy named Michael Bandy, who is their about fifth or sixth wide receiver. He's playing because of the injuries to Mike Williams, who played last week when he didn't have to play and suffered yeah. a back injury. And then DeAndre Carter, who was in the lineup to start this game, but got injured earlier on this drive in the second quarter and missed the rest of the game. They practiced this jet sweep with DeAndre Carter at wide receiver, but because Carter was hurt, they just stuck Michael Bandy in there and said, ah, you're basically the same thing. You'll be fine. We'll hand you this jet sweep on third and one. Pablo. When Michael Bandy came across the formation for the jet sweep, he didn't know the ball was coming to him. In fact, he thought the ball was not supposed to go to him. And so he did the exact thing I would do in an NFL game if someone tried to hand me the football and shield away, hide, try to avoid <laughs> getting the football from Justin Herbert. The ball was fumbled. The Chargers recovered, but they had to punt instead of converting third and one. The Jaguars scored their first touchdown. And the game, to quote Benoit Blanc, I believe, was afoot 
from that point <laughs> forward. Like, this is a situation where you have to know your personnel, have to know what you have to work with. And in a different universe where Mike Williams is not hurt, maybe they don't run this, they don't run this play. Maybe they have a guy who can uh, run that jet sweep, but it's not Mike Williams. Maybe Keenan Allen can run that play. Maybe they have someone else who can do that. But in that moment, it occurred to me, Pablo, anything is possible. And if the Chargers are willing to open up the gates of possibilities here, something is going to change in the second half. And from that point forward, everything changed, Pablo. Yeah, I'm now imagining um, uh, Daniel Craig quoting Kevin Garnett in Benoit <laughs> Blanc's accent, which is a very disturbing <laughs> visual. But we'll go, we'll let, but let's drill down on it then, Bill. Uh, let, let's yes. force ourselves to answer Alabaster's stupid question. Mm -hmm. The individual most responsible. Are we going? The, are we going, Brandon Staley, who may or may not be fired by the time people are hearing this? That's a possibility. Are we? Are we? Are we going? Are we going? Who? Trevor Lawrence in the in the other way, like the poetically answering it because mm -hmm. yes, he's responsible. Um, are we going, Dominique, for texting me? Quote: I'm fine in response to my "You all right, buddy?" <laughs> um, that's literally a text I just got as you answer this question wondering is dominique ever going to show up is he responsible for destroying our fake television? um he's responsible for destroying our fake television show but usually by showing up as opposed to not showing up so <laughs> uh it's a, it's a different kind of destruction dominique is wreaking on us here i i want to give multiple answers here but if i want to give one I think I have to go with Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Other people deserve blame for sure. But this has been an ongoing problem for the Chargers all season in terms of their ability to work the offense, in terms of their run-pass splits, in terms of what they should do in situations when it comes to uh, picking up short yardage, when it comes to handling those situations correctly. That A lot of that gets sort of put on Staley's shoulders as like some sort of weird artifact of last year's anti-analytic mm. stuff when he's not particularly been aggressive on fourth down this year and was not in this game whatsoever, actually. But yep. for Joe Lombardi, there's been major concerns about how, how deep his passes are, how deep he has Justin Herbert throwing the football, how little he trusts the offensive line to protect Justin Herbert. And granted, he's playing with a third-string left tackle in this game after their second stringer, Jamari Sayi, went out with an injury earlier in this game. But Justin, uh, sorry, Trevor Lawrence was playing with a second-string tackle and managed to throw the ball downfield. Justin Herbert averaged fewer than six air yards per throw in this game. And it wasn't like they were hitting tons of those throws. Um, Joe Lombardi had that play with Michael Bandy where they handed a jet sweep to a guy who had never had an NFL carry before. <laughs> His first NFL carry, Pablo, coming on a third and one in the playoffs when he had not practiced that play all week. Not ideal. And then in the second half of this game, Pablo, the Chargers threw the ball. I believe it was like 21 to 7 or 27 to 7. It was a significant amount of passes and very, very few runs with the lead. And in a situation where you, you want to move the ball, but you also don't want to avoid uh, you, you want to take time off the clock. The Chargers did not run the ball very well. And on top of that, they stopped the ball with an average of nine seconds to go before the play ran when they had a running clock. So they were not taking time off the clock when they had a free opportunity to do so. The good news is the Jaguars ended up winning the game in regulation, but the Chargers maybe could have avoided that by being smarter in how they call their plays and how they use the clock from that point forward.
So the good news and bad news now extends Ooh. to us because Dominique's here. Um, hey, so guys. That's so. both good and also the worst. What's bad about it? Oh, you know, you're just breaking up the flow that we had. Yeah. Me and Bill were vibing. Um, you know, and here you are for reasons that are unbeknownst to us. Well, I mean, this would be like I, I, this would be like if Lamar Jackson showed up at halftime of the Ravens game and was you, like, "Hey guys, I'm good." You think they'd be upset? <laughs> Somehow, you guys are, are disappointed that the MVP showed up. Are you so, guys done with so, the complaints? 2018 for sure. Get him, get him out of the way, because I personally believe that. Uh, on this day in particular, both of y'all mm. need to just chill out. That's all. I mean, I get here when I get here. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which one are you? Alabaster, you got a word? Anybody got a complaint? I want. I do want to know what Alabaster was trying to interject with before Dominique interjected yes. with yeah. literally he was, he was, himself. He was going to apologize to me for having me work today anyway. Like, that was, that's what he was interjecting for. I, uh, I'm done. I'm done with my uh, my peaceful protests. Uh, not showing up early. You're welcome. Uh, good trouble, everyone. You're welcome. So I, I was gonna call Dominique the Jaguars at this show where he had us in the first half and then came back from the 27-0 lead. But I do have a real football question for you guys. Also, okay. people talk about Justin Herbert like he's Patrick Mahomes or Joe mm -hmm. Burrow. Does he bear? any responsibility for this? Are we going to put it all on the offense coordinator? Because maybe a, a tiny bit of blame for him? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Justin Herbert deserves some of the blame for what happened in this game. He missed Keenan Allen for not one, but two touchdowns in the red zone. Threw one pass off of a defender's helmet and threw the second one too high for his only useful or starting wide receiver yeah. remaining after Mike Williams got injured. So, yes. This was not a game where Justin Herbert cost them the game, but there are absolutely moments where Justin Herbert will look back and say, I did not make those throws, and we win the game if I hit even one more of the throws he missed in this game. He's in the sweet spot, though, where all season we've been complaining about this one thing, and then that one thing reared its head mm. again, and like the coordinating of the offense. So like he kind of is going to get a pass because we all like to tell each other how right we are. So when we when what we say is wrong with the offense turns out to be actually part of the problem, it doesn't matter how big the problem is, that's going to be the major problem. And that's aside from Brandon Staley's issues, just saying the, the play calling is what you're going to get when, I mean, you so are you're, dealing you're, with the Lombardi. So you're saying that, yeah, the, all those Lombardis famously known, absolutely known not. for short plays. They're not throwing it deep. You ever seen a highlight of the 60s <laughs> Packers throw a bomb? Nah, they don't do it. It's, it's in their blood, short passes. Uh, blood. You know, you know there's going to be some like dude with 60s Packers footage replying to this so no, bad tomorrow. No, there will not be. I, he might reply to it, but he won't attach a video of somebody catching a 60-yard touchdown pass <laughs> in those old Packers uniforms. I like how um, the kicker who also missed the field goal also gets to escape. It's a rare day when, like, the guy who misses the field goal, who would have won the game, gets to – I mean, it's not a good day for the reasons that um, have to do with everyone else on his team being terrible, including his coach possibly getting fired. But, you know, yes. good for that kicker. Finally We're, enjoying privilege. Dominique is right, but he's wrong. We're – Justin Herbert is going to get away with it right now. But I would say we're one season away – from Justin Herbert getting that flag that quarterbacks get early in their careers Ooh. if they don't win a playoff game. We're pre-flagging? 
We pre-flagging we're, we're, him? We're we're I think we're pre-pre-flagging <laughs> Justin Herbert right now. But once he gets that flag on him, then it becomes the terrible argument of he has to keep moving the goalpost. He has to win a playoff game. He has to win a conference championship game. He has to win a Super Bowl. Like like that that stuff that I hate. We're one year away from happening with Justin Herbert because if yeah, the that's, coordinator that's... changes. That's one year or at, at least one year more than we yeah. give any other quarterback who we talk about in the way that we talk about Justin Herbert. Like I, mm-hmm. the rest of the guys in that conversation have had big playoff wins and or uh, haven't. Well, I guess Justin Herbert hasn't had as many shots in the playoffs, but either way, it doesn't really matter. Oh, like, that's kind of his fault. I know. Yeah, why. I know. That's that's what we we normally <laughs> jump on those guys. But Mm-hmm. I think you have to reach some level too. Like you have to like get to the playoff twice <laughs> or three times and lose before yeah. we say you can't win the big one. Like he's playing this perfectly. That Justin Herbert, chess, chess mm. on you guys. It's a real, it's a, it's a real social media. He's gonna, guys. he's gonna advocate for. Um, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was gonna make a Cliff Kingsbury joke, but I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. <clears throat> oh, shout out to Cliff uh, Kingsbury. Dominique, were Let, you in Thailand? Is that why you showed up late? Because you're on, you're on Thai Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't come. That would make sense. I would not <laughs> show up if I was in Thailand. That seems a lot more fun. I don't know what time it is there, but whatever time it is, I wouldn't be on Debatable if I was hanging it's out not, in Thailand. It's, it's, it's not Debatable time. <laughs> in, sure in debatable time. <laughs> Good for him, man. Cliff what Kingsbury, you're invited play. to now join Debatable. From, <laughs> what? What, what would it take for Cliff to come back? Like what? What if you were in Cliff's shoes and you were a coach? What would it take for you to come back? Yeah, I'm not a coach though. That's the thing. Is like I, I'm aware. Yeah, so like I'm not. I don't have whatever like series of loose screws it requires to like want to do this stuff all the time and sure. to off, offset your salary. Like essentially, you're not making any more money than you would make normally, but you just want to work. I don't that ain't me like you're going to get let's say hypothetically five million dollars a year for the next three years Mm -hmm. you would have to get a job that paid you six million for it to be worth showing up because then Mm -hmm. you would get one more million and that's not that's not enough millions for me to not be on a beach in Thailand so I mean I like Cliff's plan he's Somehow, it's a, it's a, I honestly the, more now than I ever had. Yes, it's truly the best scheme he's run <laughs> this entire time. You think he ever wanted to succeed, or he was just like, "Man, I can't wait to get fired and get paid to not coach. It's gonna be great." Forget, forget the air raid. He went with the air Asia. So smart. Mm. Um, all right, guys, let's move on to, to another another interesting game first. from the Super Wild Card weekend. Do you have less yes. faith in the Bills after their win today against the Dolphins? I mean, marginally, yes. No, Dominique, no, despite the fact that Skylar Thompson was uh, a source of legitimate stress for anyone who cares about the Buffalo Bills. You're, you're yes. just as fine as you were before this game started. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I did not think as highly of them as, I mean, I know I didn't think as highly of them as I did at the beginning of the year. Like we entered this playoffs. I feel like we had these conversations by saying that they aren't that team anymore. They're definitely beatable. I thought they wouldn't have nearly as much trouble with the Dolphins as they ended up having, but in watching that game, it didn't seem so like there's a, a return, a punt return. Hey! For <laughs> What's up, buddy? They got a young one. <laughs> 
Uh, yep. Speaking so, of coverage falling a, through, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've had this conversation before. There is not Dominic, a defense. Tyreek Hill. Have a, that is Tyreek Hill. Dominique Foxworth aware, awareness rating in debatable Madden going down to sixty three. Oh no, I was aware the whole time. I just was hoping <laughs> sure. that they were not going to to hit that hole in the defense, but <laughs> they never miss it. But I was saying something about the Bills not being as good as we yeah, had you been had talked doubts about. But and I, I mean, I think in that game there was. Uh, there was a couple of kind of uh, punt return that was huge. There's a fumble uh, mm-hmm. punt return. There was like issue. There's a, a defensive touchdown. There were things that made the game seem closer than I think it actually was. And there was the Josh Allen doing the Josh Allen things, but the Skyler didn't. Skyler Thompson didn't really seem like. Well, actually, to be fair, he had those two passes <laughs> right before that drive. You remember those passes over the middle? Mm. Uh, one got tipped. The other one. Got broken up because mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle turned his body back rather than catching it over his shoulder, which, I mean, I would have caught it over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those passes would have hit. I would have had a different feeling. So, to be honest, I, I don't think this team is, like, unbeatable like we once thought they were. I'm surprised this game was that close, though. It, it kind of feels like it was that close because Josh Allen didn't really play that well in yeah. this game. The Bills gave the Dolphins four short fields. In the second quarter, those turned into a lot of points. They got a defensive touchdown when Josh Allen did not get the ball out against the Blitz and threw the ball away, or a strip sack for a score. And there were honestly so many moments in this game where it looked like Josh Allen was just chucking the ball downfield, and he kind of felt like, why aren't they giving him answers? Like, they're coming with tons of Blitzes. Why doesn't he have anything to get the ball out quickly? And then he'd go and look at the dots, and you'd see there were actually options to get the ball out quickly and they were open josh just wanted to throw it downfield anyway though and i think that is my concern with the bills is that yes they're not going to have those like crazy you know game but they're not going to turn the ball over three or four times they're not going to you know give up a strip sack for a touchdown every week but i feel like josh allen is so stuck in josh allen mode he's hot so high on his own supply that yeah. i feel like we're just getting like Josh Allen vibe check every single week at this point. And but, I mean, some I guess big plays and some scary turnovers too. My question for you is a legitimate one. It's not me trying to like be funny in the way that I deliver a statement, but like, is there another version of Josh Allen? Like, I don't, I, I haven't, I watched all of the Bills game this year, but mm-hmm. I don't remember a version of Josh Allen that was like, uh, it sounds pejorative, but the word that I'm thinking of is like, mm-hmm. like cautious, smart Josh Allen who like takes calculated risk. <laughs> like that is not a version of Josh Allen I've ever seen. So this is kind of the the thing I've been preaching about the Bills and Josh Allen all year is is a roller coaster, baby. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> like it's, Enjoy the ride. It's, sometimes it's gonna be but awesome. Hold on. Sometimes but- it's gonna make you really nervous. But Bill, I feel like much like as a person, I, I don't know if you guys are roller coaster guys, but I feel like at amusement parks every so often mm-hmm. you'll go back to one and be like, "Whoa, they changed the ride!" <laughs> like Arrow this is more used to be on this ride. <laughs> what happened? Like, like this is more dangerous now. It does feel like we're we've leaned into the whole like Batman the ride phase of Josh Allen the ride, where it's, you're like um, hanging upside down. It's, yeah. it's Guardians of the Galaxy now. That Aerosmith mm-hmm. ride. It's much better. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And they, they have a bunch of old songs, so you can, like, you don't get the same song each time you ride. Yeah, so you just it's, hear, a, it's an upgrade. 
you just hear Steven Tyler vaguely in the distance just singing, and he's actually getting stomped on by a Disney employee in the background. <laughs> it was fun. I liked it. We went last Dominique spring break. I refused being to into, go back this spring break. Dominique being into the Aerosmith ride is I one of the not, most startling things. I was not I was, into the Aerosmith ride. Oh, okay. I just was pointing out that I know that Bill's favorite ride was the Aerosmith ride, and I wanted him to be <laughs> forewarned that it's now <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's pretty awesome. But, yeah, Josh <laughs> Allen's a roller coaster. I mean, it's great. But, like roller coasters, you're being, you're basically putting your life when you go on a roller coaster in the hands of like a 17 year old who's probably not paying all that much attention. Where if something goes wrong, you're probably in trouble. It's yeah. not going to be great. Do you think that's the case with Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey right now? Like, is Ken Dorsey the the guy looking at his phone, not paying attention, saying, "Oh yeah, just let Josh do it. He'll be fine." Like, do you feel like Josh Allen's being put in the right situations? And does he miss Brian Dable, who is somehow turning? Daniel Jones into a superstar. Well, that's that's my question too. Yeah, about Dave. roller coasters is probably the wrong analogy because I think that the fact of the matter is, as you pointed out, you can give him options, but he not going to take matter. them. Yeah, it's so yeah, so I, it's, it's hard. Like giving, to, yeah, it's ahead. like giving Russ like it's like giving Russ like a, a six yard comeback in front of the middle of the field. He can't see it, so he's not going to throw it. Like you yeah. got to give him something on the side. Yeah, that's not it. So yeah, I, 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 it's hard to be critical of uh, Ken Dorsey when you see other options and Josh is like, "No, nah, I'm good." But you can also find many plays where Josh is like, "No, nah, I'm good," and he's actually right, and it's, he's right more often than he's wrong. Yep. And that's the like that throw that he made to uh, Gabe Davis and mm-hmm. that corner out. It's incredible. The throw he made mm-hmm. to to Diggs that Diggs like almost caught it and went out of bounds. They're like incredible throws that no one would mm-hmm. advise him to throw, but he mm-hmm. makes them possible. So again, it's like I feel like this is a coaching job that I could do. I could be Ken <laughs> Wait, Dorsey. Part? The Ken Dorsey part where it doesn't matter what you call. Like why draw anything up? Just like all right. <laughs> Just let Josh do it. We're we gonna do the same thing we did next last week, Josh. We live and we <laughs> die with how how accurate your arm is this week. Stefan down there somewhere. Just, <laughs> exactly. just put it out there. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I no. like the idea. This whole time, Ken Dorsey has just been streaming his favorite <laughs> show on his Microsoft Surface tablet. Uh, so he didn't like the ending. That's what they're early in the that's, season. That's exactly right. The final episode was bad. Uh, so he smashed his his um tablet. That's right. He's like, this is how euphoria ends. Yes. Do this you... is how they don't stay together. Rue, come on. Spoiler alert. It's, 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 Spoiler it sounds alert. like you're doing, you're, you're just naming character names on yeah. euphoria. I wanted to see how far you could go. Yeah. I felt like oh. over under was two and a half there. I mean, I watched I season one. Zendaya deserves her golden globe. Mm-hmm. Glad she didn't show up mm-hmm. for it. Deserves do you it think, anyway. Do you think we're unfairly basing our like baseline for Josh Allen on last year's playoffs. Yeah. Cause like, I don't think anyone can do that for any extended period yeah. of time, I including mean, Josh Allen, but he could also do it over the next two weeks. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if he was just the best player in football again. Yeah. It was last year's playoffs and the beginning of this season where he was on fire. And I mean, I, I remember correctly, the first game of the year, he still threw some, uh, I know, yeah, he th- still Correct turned game. the ball over, yeah. Yep. So he is who he is. You just take it. You love it. I think Alabaster retracted his interjection, so Purdy party? That's right. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, I was yeah. actually – I know my interjection was good because Bill then asked the same question. Ooh. So, so there we go. I thought you had um, euphoria and, takes. 
Um, Many for a different show. And by the way, there is someone who can play at that, you know, 20, 2022 Josh Allen playoff level for multiple weeks, weeks in the playoffs. And that's Brock Purdy. And so our question, yes. have your expectations for big bleep Brock changed after his performance this weekend? I mean, what, what, what else do we need to see? What else do we need to see from this guy? I mean, look, the Seahawks are a formidable, well, a favorable matchup, I should sure. say. Um, a favorable matchup for Brock Purdy. And yes, he does have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel back. And those are yep. incredible life preservers to hang on to as a rookie quarterback. But the dude, the dude is just in control, man. I don't know. I, I, it's just like you watch him and you're like, I don't, I don't get scouting clearly. And I don't think anyone else does either. You, you compared Josh Allen to a roller coaster ride a second ago. Brock Purdy is the opposite of a roller coaster ride. It's like driving a Cadillac on a very smooth highway. Like, it's just, you don't feel anything. It's the same smooth ride every week. This dude is just finding op wide open people yeah, every the single HOV week. Lane. They ran, they ran the same play over and over and yeah. over again against the Seahawks, and they were getting 25 yards on it every single time. They just started running it with different people, too. It's like, yes. hey, you, you need a catch? How about you run this <laughs> deep over-looking thing? Anybody? You need a car? Everyone gets one. Kyle Shannon had a 28-yard catch in this game. He just had George Kittle's helmet on. No one even saw it. When, when you guys are noticing that the Niners are spamming the same play over and over yep. again, what is the play? that you guys are seeing just to spell it out for people and so myself they, they were running kind of a, a clear out on one side and mm -hmm. it's kind of that imagine the Tyreek Hill play like the deep over type of thing yep. so they were just kind of using one uh and they were bringing it from different angles so yep. they use one defender to probably pull, pull the zone down one defender to stretch the zone deep and then just mm -hmm. it just hold, opens up a big hole on the other side of defense and normally it was coming from one side to the other side and they just mm -hmm. kept doing it and see i was like nah this zone gonna get them <laughs> <laughs> this time cody barton the linebackers gonna suddenly realize there's a wide open player running 10 yards behind him and run back and try to get him yeah. maybe we're gonna have quandre Diggs cut that route off one time no they just stayed in the same side of cover three they had one of them where we in cover two and so they showed him a little different look but same result didn't really matter it could have been any two players any two concepts the guy was getting open and brock was hitting them in stride for a big game yeah, so I mean, I guess that the it's hard to keep watching Brock succeed and then say that <laughs> I, I, my expectations haven't changed. But like my expectations for this team when Brock took over were similar mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. um, Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess I can say that they're slightly elevated, but after watching like over Jimmy Garoppolo, but after yep. watching that game, I guess what we're saying is Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do that consistently. Well, this is this is where we are now. This is what we're asking. Yes, exactly That's, that. Yeah. Is, are we now at the point where like this is just a better team straight up without Jimmy Garoppolo and with Brock Purdy? Period. We're we're in the post Jimmy era right yeah. now, Pablo. This is like when you know how like when the decade changes, like there'll be a year or two at the beginning of the decade where nothing happens. Like you're still kind of in the same pop culture from the prior era for like, like Nirvana, like Nirvana broke in 91, 1990 was still kind of like eighties culture. Like Brock mm. Purdy's about to break. We just don't realize that we're in the post Jimmy era right now that we're in the Brock era. We're going to realize it in two weeks when they go to the Super Bowl. but that's kind of what it is right now. Like 
I would be more surprised if Brock Purdy melted down next week than I would be if he played even better than he did against the Seahawks. And that speaks to like how confident he seems yes. to be at working this offense. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are thousands of people watching this who that reference was for. But I know too that it wasn't for like I, me and Pablo, like Edna Garner reference, yeah. right over that. It just yeah. didn't, maybe not over my head, but it just didn't. It didn't hit with me the way that I'm sure it hit with thousands of people. Watching. I mean, all 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 I could think of was lots of people wearing patterns that are a lot like the shirt that Bill is wearing. I was oh, like, that feels yeah, like they did plaid, and it was mm -hmm. like um, that was grunge, right? I know, I know the words. <laughs> That was great, right? And they were like, can we do? Can we do the, a famous story uh, where uh, the New York Times wanted to report on grunge, and so they called like a Seattle record store, and they just gave him a bunch of fake words to like you know like grunge speak, and the Times just published them. I feel like I want to. I want to. You could absolutely these, these have fake done grunge that. Words. You absolutely can do that. I don't know. Grunge. Sadate. Well, I'm on the running kind. I would have I been all in if you made a Pootie Tang reference. That was funny, man. <laughs> yeah, the Bella. Uh, the Bella Gorilla mm -hmm. killed that guy in a steel mill. Oh, oh, anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. Chris Rock. So, was great. I do want to ask, and you said the post-Jimmy G era. I did make me think and wonder if we're in the post-Trey Lance era as well in San Francisco. And then I also was wondering, like, how – we doled out a lot of blame in the first question. And I wonder mm -hmm. how much responsibility we want to dole out and give to Brock Purdy in this question, because doesn't it just feel like the weapons on this team and the coaching are also completely overwhelming? Yeah. I mean, but Brock's holding up his end of the bargain. Like he's hidden throws. Like yeah. how many, he made how, some... how many times do you feel like Brock Purdy, like missing throws in the way that like Tom Brady has missed throws with great weapons in Tampa Bay all season? Print it. Bottom line, Brock Purdy's better than Tom Brady. Yes. Bill Run the Chiron. <laughs> another, an, an, another. Tom Brady broke out in 2001. 2000 was that pre-breakout pre year where yes. it was like, who's going to be the quarterback of the decade? Maybe it's going to be Brian Greasy. Maybe it's going to be uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> Brian Greasy. <laughs> Brian Greasy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. But uh, the difference in, – and Purdy made some plays too. Like, I remember mm – -hmm that uh throw to Ayuk in the back of the end zone that yeah. Ayuk couldn't hold on to and like mm -hmm. it was like a level of athleticism and accuracy and um like creativity that you don't see out of a lot of quarterbacks I, I i still think like this just drives home the point to me that so many other things matter more than the quarterback himself as you get in a good situation most quarterbacks are pretty talented you get them in a good situation and give them the time they need to develop. They can turn into something. And there's no better situation than Kyle Shanahan with all those players around them. And Jimmy Garoppolo just isn't all that good, guys. I I I am realizing as much as we just lampoon Bill's fake Chiron, Brock Purdy better than Tom Brady, we're gonna like if this Bill has looked into the future. Like mm -hmm. we, the the ceiling on this story is non-existent. Like the what he is doing, what he's about to force us to to say is is it's mind blowing. Actually, I mean, where in, this might go in my playoff preview, I have the NFC Championship game being a matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy, 
and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, where you have Tom Brady returning home for maybe the final game of his career against the guy who's basically emulating Tom Brady in terms of being the guy who is breaking out with no history or no track record of success as a late round pick on a team that might make it to the Super Bowl. Like, that story is coming, and I think we're a couple weeks away from it. I think the narrative is so strong that the the worlds of the NFL are going to bend to make that matchup happen. I just can't wait for the movie. It's going to be so corny and so bad. I can't wait. Oh, the 80 for Brady sequel where all of the women <laughs> fall in love with Brock Purdy instead. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to see that? Do you feel an obligation to see 80 for Brady? As like I a- just want to know what the hell this is. I, I, I know what it is on paper, yeah. Alabaster, 40, mm-hmm. Who's it for? Sorry, four 80-year-old women, I guess. I guess it's for the people who most relate to the characters in the it's movie. For, like, it's for it, a bunch of 80-year-old women who love football? That's right. Okay. I, I, I think and and Tom have, Brady, specifically. <laughs> there you if, go. Well if we're going to have the conversation <laughs> of, of who is this for... There's going to be some uncomfortable questions about the thing we're doing right now, I think. So let's make sure that we're just we're, we're just happy with we're just happy that there's an audience for everything. I uh, think 80 for Brady will be gay. But there is a question that we didn't hit on that Alabaster got to, which is Trey Lance is coming back next year. Yeah. At this point, is this Brock Purdy's team until proven otherwise? Or is there a genuine competition next offseason between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance? Do they trade Trey Lance and just get someone else to back up Brock Purdy? Like, has he proven at this point that he's the dude in 2023 i think it depends on how this story ends yeah yeah it's if uh where it ends and how it ends if Mm -hmm. he is the reason why they lose at some point then there will be no patience for mr relevant it's I know all coaches and teams like to pretend like your draft status doesn't matter. What happens on the field is what matters. But can you imagine if a number one overall pick was playing like this? We'd be flipping out. We'd be talking about them like they was taking That's over the I'm league. That's what I'm saying, yes. But if Brock Purdy does it for five, six, seven weeks, and if he lays an egg on the eighth of the week, we're done with him. We're talking quarterback controversy. Oh, man. Zach. I mean, we're about to talk about a top 10 pick who is doing that for four or five or six weeks, and he's being treated like he's suddenly a franchise quarterback. So you're absolutely correct. Huh, I could get used to hearing that. That was a wonderful segue. Uh, Thank you. So I got to ask, do you believe in Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback at, at this point? <sighs> Did you guys see Skylar Thompson snapping at the punt return? Nobody saw that but me. I'm sorry no. to flashback, but I just thought about it. Where what was, what was, was he a, doing? There was a long punt return, and they showed the replay of him on the sideline enjoying it, and he was hitting him with the – <laughs> with the poet snap nobody's gonna say this is this is at, like at a spoken word performance i promise yeah. you it happened at, at, but that that poetry jam snap. yes it was definitely he like, heard a line he, like he a, rhymed like that a, thing like like a student at a small liberal arts college he was applauding <laughs> yes. using like no you can't clap snaps. but anyway i'll find the clip as Wait. soon as you i'm not making this <laughs> up what, was that before or after Mike McDaniel was allegedly vaping on the side? Oh, oh yeah, I, I forgot Mike to McDaniel. mention that. Yeah. So he was, I mean, he had the behavior of someone who was vaping. Like, I was trying <laughs> to figure out, like, we can't actually have just watched an NFL coach vape on the sideline. Oh, that but, explains all the, like, the delays of game. Delay of game. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
just a touch <laughs> slow. Oh, man. Uh, Daniel Jones, guys. So speaking of uh, things that we do or say under the influence, Daniel Jones, <laughs> franchise quarterback, does feel – it feels like a sober-minded thought right now, Phil. I mean, you've been saying it. Like QBR-wise, we have, what, a month now of him being mm-hmm. – Legit. We just got Daniel a game Jones. where he won a playoff game. He was the biggest reason by far. Daniel Jones over the last month of the regular season was number one in the NFL in total QBR. Number one in like the, the QB stat for us. Yep, that's the best Daniel one Jones. we got. And playoff game we just saw, I think Daniel Jones kind of looked like one of the better quarterbacks we've seen in the postseason so far. He was in control. He was the focal point of the offense. He was running the ball effectively. He was hitting people in stride. Now, are there questions about, like, the deep passing attack? Are the Vikings' defense just horrifically bad? Those things are both probably true. But given the game plan, given what he needed to do, Daniel Jones was the most important person on the field in carrying the Giants to a victory, which has really never been the case before in a meaningful game. Yeah, there's no reason to pour any cold water on this take at all. I mean, Daniel Jones has shocked all of us with, I mean, I I picked them as a team that I thought could surprise, but, and Daniel Jones has been good. Yeah, oh, we can go back. I did. I really did. I'm really smart. I know things about football. But the point I was trying to make was I was wrong about, I thought Daniel Jones was good, but inconsistent. But in this game in particular, he just was like really just good. And I think through the course of this year, you could explain away the passing issues with the talent around him and Slayton dropping that pass that could have put the game away really kind of underlined that issue. But when you can run the ball at the quarterback effectively, like it really raises mm-hmm. your floor and it makes it so uh, everything else is a little bit easier. And mm-hmm. I think Daniel Jones is leaning into that and Dayball is smart enough to uh, help support that and, Yeah, they also ran up against the perfect matchup. (laughs) And Kurt Cousins threw the ball short of the first down marker. And that makes Daniel Jones look even better. Right. Mm. Daniel Jones, by the way, who was throwing to Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Layden and Richie James as his top three receivers. Um, Yes, did did outplay an offense um, that had Justin Jefferson on it. Who was healthy? Mm. Seven catches, forty-seven yards. Hawkinson I mean, was eating though. Hawkinson was absolutely <laughs> um, all you can eat buffeting the Giants' defense. Uh, but in I... terms, in terms, Bill, in terms of like, okay, no, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was just gonna ask. Like, this team seems to have been. I actually don't know if this is true. They're seemingly maximizing showcasing now what Daniel Jones does, but they're doing it in the absence of, it's like the opposite of the Niners situation where it's like, (laughs) Hey, they have all these weapons. They have this system. I don't know what the weapons are here or what the system is for that matter. Can you help me understand how they are maximizing Daniel Jones truly? I think the system is they're trusting Daniel Jones to get the ball out quickly. They're giving him short options in the passing game. And I think to Dominique's point, like this was a perfect matchup for that because the Vikings were playing very soft zone coverage, which is what they do on defense in general. They want to take away the big plays. They want to force you to work the ball down the field. And the Giants and Daniel Jones did that over and over and over again 
throughout this game, whether it was a short passing attack, whether it was passes on stride, or whether it was most often Daniel Jones just taking the ball into his hands and just running forward with against the Vikings team that appeared to have never watched Daniel Jones play before because he's been doing this all season and he was scrambling at will in the first half of this game. And I think Brian Dable, who coached up Josh Allen in Buffalo and got the best we've seen out of Josh Allen during his time there, has taken a lot of the tenants that worked for Josh Allen in Buffalo, kind of left us enough about, you know, having the once-in-a-generation arm that can throw the ball 30 yards on a rope downfield and taken everything else and imported it for the Giants. And even though the talent's not that great, even though the guys in this offense are, you know, kind of like middling receivers, it's working outside of the one superstar they have in Saquon, who is the one guy who can make people miss and be a star on his own. Everyone else is kind of just holding up their end of the bargain, and Daniel Jones is doing the rest. He played good, according to Brian Dayball. I mean, I feel like that's uh, something I need to hear and see his facial expression when he said that, because it could be like, maybe I deserve some more credit for what happened yep. out there, or it could be genuine, like, he was really happy with him. I don't know right. how this, like, quote, uh, what this quote means. Yeah, it could be, um, he played good. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be, he played good. This is a man who did decline Daniel Jones's fifth year option before the season, who is going to have to negotiate a new contract with Daniel Jones after this season. So I think he's probably trying to be careful with the compliments he throws towards the oh, start. It was more more like a he played good. He was good. <laughs> Did I, I didn't realize that Dayball they had hired Dayball before they made the decision on the fifth year option. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's rough. That's a rough way to it's start. Awkward. You, you walk in like, hey, I believe in you. I'm going to do everything not, I can to not make you right. Year, though. Hey, no, nah, we're going to turn that down. That's the fifth year option. <laughs> what, keep him for another year for cheap? Nah, no thanks. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just realizing like 30 for Purdy? Mm. Oh, this is the this is the eighty for Brady movie. Yeah, that works out works out pretty well. I like that. I feel the, like eighty for Brady was was entirely just because it rhymed. Yeah, so you right? think they were like, could we make a show about a bunch of friends going to see Tom Brady? How old should they be? <laughs> <laughs> what rhymes with Brady? Okay, I like absolutely, that. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, no respect uh, to TV execs. Are we? Are, are we going to talk about the Viking side of this? The Vikings who, I'm not sure, Pavel, I feel like you're my petard guy. Like if oh, I have a petard question, you're the, the person petard. I want to go to. I, I do it, love a hoist. Is the, is the, are the Vikings, is the Vikings, were, be the Vikings? The Vikings going are to you let them know. Speaking like a Viking and trying to figure out what verb. Yes. The Vikings. <laughs> Going 11-0 in one-score games during the regular season. And then losing their first one-score game in the postseason. Does that qualify as being hoisted on your own petard? Absolutely. Just question. They they should have missed an extra point just to avoid this stat. Absolutely. (laughs) 31-24. Yeah, Mm -hmm. should have missed that extra point to avoid this devastating irony. How soon after are they looking for a new defensive coordinator? Like... That seems like that's old Eddie Dons is in trouble. I, I I mean, on paper, would you look at that secondary and be like, hmm, they're going to be good. Like, they, they have some very famous names in the secondary. I would venture to say that those names are not necessarily playing at the level you might expect at this point of their careers. It doesn't matter. Eddie no, got to go right. anyway. <laughs> He's got to go too. You're right. Sorry, Eddie. 
You're gonna be going out with those guys, but we'll see. I mean, that that I did. I mean, I I feel like Kevin O'Connell. At least the offense seemed creative and interesting all year long. The limiting factor on the offense, though, is like the health of Shaw and obviously mm-hmm. like what type of Kirk Cousins game we gonna get. And Justin Jefferson having one catch for yeah. seven yards in the second half of this game. That was bad. I mean, I that felt yeah, like what a the hell. That felt like a decision. Like uh, it felt like a all right, we're good. Justin Jefferson, they're going to take Justin out of the game, so we're going to go ahead and go ahead and go with that and take everyone else that is in the game because it seemed like they were forcing the ball early and he wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't doing a whole lot of anything. They were moving mm-hmm. him around in different places, which I don't I don't hate the idea of like accepting that Justin Jefferson is not going to be a huge part of this if he's taking two and three like the touchdown that they got they had mm-hmm. three defenders on him like that's sure I don't know I I don't hate that from a a coaching standpoint, like had they won that game, which they scored enough points to win that game, we would have been like, hey, great job using the other guys. Sure. Jefferson's a decoy. But if it's fourth and your season, yeah, throw and you're throwing, you're throwing yeah. a, a four-yard option route to TJ Hawkinson, like I that would have been the guy who made that one-handed catch in the Bills game. Yeah, that's a good, good point. I'm sorry. I take back everything I said. Just throw it in his direction. He just, did it one like, time. Do you remember that that one where he couldn't see? So there was a guy mm-hmm. pushed down on Kirk Cousins, and mm-hmm. he just threw that post to Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, and that was the most like JJ's down there somewhere throw I've ever seen. Yeah. Again, how how do you want to go down as a yeah. player? Like, if you throw a pass to Justin Jefferson and he doesn't catch it, it's like okay, I threw it to the best receiver in football. That's not on me. It, it got yeah. there. He's supposed to do that job. If you throw T.J. Hawkinson and you expect him to make a guy miss for eight yards, you're kind of setting yourself up to be blamed for the loss there. So, that was a really bad decision. <laughs> well, who could have expected Kirk Cousins to not show up when the situation mattered all that much? Why would we believe that Kirk Cousins would not do that appropriately? Oh, gosh, because you like that. <laughs> <laughs> I he, like- he, ha- he has to give Daniel Jones his chains now. Like... There, there should have been a post-game ceremony where he handed them to Daniel Jones to wear back home to New York. I, I, I hate everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's mostly why I said it. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're a good man. Happy um, MLK Day to everyone. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, that's why Dominic missed the beginning of the show. He was yeah. preparing. He was preparing his uh, his speech for tomorrow, or for today. You're yes. giving. You're giving a speech. I am. Yeah. Reconciling race in America. That was that was not what you were doing. You weren't preparing your address. No, I, I, I mean, my only goal is to make things as awkward and uncomfortable for both of you <laughs> as possible. I, it's, I, I'm surprised that you guys haven't figured it out yet. We we I'm should really have good it. at it. We should really have a date for that as well, I think. (laughs) I think so.